It's a privilege today to introduce one of our representatives for the sake of the gospel, uh, who's serving in Mozambique, and I told them uh, I was actually about 1,500 feet from their border uh, once because I was in Kruger National Park, beautiful place uh, in South Africa, and that butts up against Mozambique. So we're going to learn a little bit, I think. Kevin, it's your turn to be up here. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. He's going to tell you about the mission he's with and then uh, open the word for us. So welcome, brother. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Okay, y'all clapped. Good. If, if only. No, I, um, I want to share with you today. It's, it's a privilege every time. Someone's going to tell me to turn on this microphone soon, so I'll do that. Am I on now? Okay. Um, yeah, well, uh, Cammy, Toby, Ben, and I, uh, we got back uh, from Mozambique August and hit the road immediately and finally landed in Fairfield where we're renting a, a, a missionary house that another church that supports us has for us. Um, and then we've been just kind of bouncing around visiting family and friends. For those of you who don't know us, um, we have lots of family here, although we don't know all their names. <laughs> <clears throat> it's because I'm not good with names, not because of anyone else. Um, but yeah, my grandparents were here in the very beginning of Harmony, um, part of the Zwart clan. And my parents and I was born in Middletown, and we moved to Connecticut. Uh, when I was in second grade, and we've been there ever since. But we've always come back to here because the grandparents were here and visited Harmony. And uh, Harmony has kept touch with myself and going through Nyack co College uh, and then into the ministry. Um, we were first in Namibia. Uh, I met Cami at Nyack, and then we went into Namibia, which is on the other coast of Africa, across from Mozambique. And then we came out of the ministry, went to uh, graduate school in South Africa, and then we moved up the coast on the other side into northern Mozambique. So where uh, Pastor John um, actually touched our border, if he drove another two or three days, he would have gotten to where we live. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to be talking with others this afternoon uh, who couldn't make it this morning, and we hope to be back later. Um, but I wanted to give you just a, a brief overview of AIM, the mission organization we're with, because... Some people always wonder, you know, what's that like, and, you know, what does your mission do for you, and what's your mission's vision? Um, and for the last eight years, we've been training up national leadership and, uh, and church pastors in Mozambique uh, through a program called Theological Education by Extension um, from scratch in 2007. And it has been a joy and a challenge. And the joy is usually working with them and teaching and hearing them apply the word to their lives. And the challenge has been where we actually live. Um, and I'm not going to talk a lot about that today because you don't need to hear the stories. Uh, my wife kicks me every time because it's, it is rough. Uh, it's very rough. But uh, I wanted to show you a little bit about our mission as a whole and where we're going uh, because we agree completely with what this short little video we'll, we'll show you, and hopefully you can get a flavor of, of Africa. So, yeah. Um, 
is my home. Africa is not merely a continent shrouded in mystery defined by war or famine. Africa is not a hopeless remnant of the third world. Africa is unexpected. of unique ethnic groups and cultures speaking 2,000 languages spread across 57 African nations and around the globe. People, beautiful, colorful, hospitable, spiritual. Africa is also the church. Facing tremendous challenges. Today, over 900 African people groups are still unreached, with no viable witness to the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Hundreds of millions live behind political, geographical, and even religious barriers. This is Africa. This is also my home. For over a century, Africa Inland Mission has sought to overcome these barriers through people compelled by Christ's love and the Great Commission. Africa Inland Mission is a thousand missionaries across more than 20 countries, partnering with hundreds of African churches, united in one purpose, Christ-centered churches among all African peoples. Communities of believers that display transformed lives, proclaim Christ, and make disciples. Africa Inland Mission is joining God in what he's doing in Africa and among Africa's peoples. Joined by countless prayer and financial partners around the world. Joining with the African Church in taking the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth.
So, I've never showed that film with anybody, any church. I just thought um, it was a good place to start today. We have strived um, to make our work not only um, applicable uh, to the, the national people, but actually reproducible. Um, and in that vein, it looks within the next year or so we'll be moving on, and we're excited. Um, but I want you guys to know what, what you see in, in the African churches there. Um, there was one uh, picture of, of a congregation, and everyone was waving their hands. They didn't have the beads and all the pretty stuff on. Um, that's like the churches that we've served uh, in Mozambique. Um, the six men that I started with as trainers and teachers uh, has grown to eight. Uh, they now have a leadership board of four men that they voted and approved of amongst themselves. Um, they filed for legal status in the country, um, and they're taking it forward. They're struggling. Um, they're struggling with sickness, with family responsibilities, with church responsibilities. Uh, they don't have a, a, a place of their own for the program to run out of. But they're doing it. Uh, I've talked to them twice since we've been back. No, three times. And I talked to them last week on Skype. And they just sit there and they just look at me like, it's Kevin. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Skype is amazing. Um, but you guys had a lot to do with that. Your support of us helped us to train and to equip them. And I want to thank you on behalf of uh, the eight men who are leading that program now. Uh, in my absence and hopefully in the future to come. For many years. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that being said, we, we are looking to the future and making decisions, and we will let you know as soon as we have one. We will stay in Africa. Our mission has given us options where they'd like us to go, and we are prayerfully looking at where that is. Um, it's going to be different. It's going to be good. But you can pray for us and continue. We thank you for Again, we just... We're really thankful, <laughs> if you haven't gotten that yet. So I'm just going to pray, and then I just want to open some words of the Lord to us. Father God, we just thank you uh, for your amazing love for us. We thank you for giving us family uh, around the globe, for making us part of something so much bigger than what we can see and touch and feel. Lord, I thank you for the harmony family that we have here and that we come to not very often, Lord, but every time it's nice and it's refreshing and it's encouraging to us, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you would just speak through me today and encourage them. Uh, Lord, help us to look beyond ourselves and to this season, especially this season, Lord, to explain who you are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I've never... I've only preached once before on this, this ever so um, iconic missionary verse. Um, and it was a few weeks ago because we were asked to go to a church that I'd never been to before. I knew the man when I was a youth, and he heard that I was in town, and he said, Oh, Kevin, you've got to come and share. So I said, Well, what do you want to share? Well, you're the, you're the climax of our mission conference. <laughs> what? What do you mean? <laughs> I don't even know. I've never been to your church. So God led us to this, these passages. And it was interesting to me because you, you see them on, on the postcards and on the pamphlets and you read them in the magazines when you 
hear about missionaries, you think, ah, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Yes, that's the verse. That's, we'll use that one. It fits. It's great. It's a great verse. It's iconic. It, it, it sums up all that we are. But as I looked and I looked closer, it's, it's so much more. Um, so I'm going to try to share a little bit about that. I titled it uh, Peace and Power to Go. Um, now, the go part is you can fit that to wherever you are in life. Go to your school, go to your job, uh, go down the street, go next door, go to Africa, go to Japan. Your, your missionaries in Japan, whew, I don't know. That's a different language, different writing, different everything. My hat is off to them. I'd much rather go to Africa, which is why I do. Um, but when I looked through this, this verse, and then I looked through all the other Gospels and how they recounted the last days of Christ, and their last, I don't want to say memory of what he said, um, but they each concentrated on different things. And I think they each concentrated on different things for different reasons, and we're not going to go really well into that. But it's interesting to note, John, or, or Mark, um, he really concentrates on what's going to follow after you obey after you go out and preach and teach and do all these things, signs and wonders are going to come. And we all know the churches that just grab hold of that and say, well, that is it. That's the mark. That's the sign. This is it. We're going to go and trample on snakes and drink poisons and things like that. I've killed snakes. I haven't trampled on any. Luke 24, to me, was interesting because it concentrates on the disciples went off and worshipped. Now, worship to a Jew is going to the synagogue. So they went back to their synagogues and worshipped. They went back into their communities. Some of them say that they huddled together. They hid and they worshipped. Uh, in Acts, that's what we find. Um, John 20, it ends with the reinstatement of Peter and Thomas. Which is always my... I, I love that whole concept of... of you have someone who has done the greatest sin of disowning and disowning Christ in front of publicly, in front of people that needed to hear, and, and Jesus just welcomes him back. And not only welcomes him, but then reinstates him to his, his position in Christ. So each one of those is very different than Matthew. And yet we stick to Matthew because it has this this, this pleading call, this, this push, this urging of Jesus that was for the disciples. Um, it says in Matthew twenty sixteen. 16, um, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. They were supposed to meet up. They said, okay, now a couple days, we're going to go meet on that mountain. I'll see you there. And so the disciples went. And obviously, as we know throughout the rest of the Gospels, there was always a crowd that followed and there was probably a group that even followed the disciples, even though they had scattered. There's probably a few that heard these stories. Jesus appeared to them. And so they were going to this mountain expectant. I know a lot of you study the Bible in here, and you know what their expectations were. And some were very wrong, some were very twisted, some were very political. Um, but the disciples went to this mountain. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. 
when we see who Jesus is, when we, when we recognize, when we meet him where he says he will meet us, do we immediately worship him or do we immediately start bringing our requests and our, our problems? I'm to blame. I, I do the same thing. I, I know what I need to do to maintain my spiritual fervor, to, to feel close to the Lord, to remain in union with him. And usually when I get to that place, I'm always like, oh, God, can you please... And here are the disciples, after all they've seen, after all they've done, and Jesus appearing to them in five or six or seven, depending on how you interpret the different Gospels, they worshipped, and they fell down. Just picture it. Just picture that. And maybe they're thinking, okay, he's come back. He's going to meet us on the mountain. This will start the revolution. This is it. We're his men. He's appointed us. He's given us authority. He's back. Let's take over. Let's go in Jerusalem. Let's, let's get it. But he didn't do that at all. I think their expectations are very far from what he went on to tell them. The fact that some doubted. What did they doubt? Did they doubt that it was him? Did they doubt that it was him physically? Did they doubt... I don't know. Nobody, it, it doesn't say, just as some doubted. And to me, that means that even amongst those 11, even amongst us, there's some that are still, we worship and we still hold back because of fear or doubt or, or trepidation about circumstances we're in or the future. <laughs> we could talk about the future. It's easy. It's easy to doubt. But I think Jesus answers those doubts. And he replies to their worship in a way with the three things that he tells them to do. The first thing he says in verse 18 is, All power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, up until this point throughout the Gospels, Jesus usually would say, I can do nothing apart from my Father. I do what my Father tells me, and that's what I'm doing. And when you see me do something, you're seeing the Father. And that's great. It's perfect theology. What we see in Christ is who the Father is. Here, I think this is just a little different. Now he's just saying, now not only that, but now I have conquered death. I have conquered every fear, everything that you can imagine. All of your sin, all of your guilt, all of your shame, it's gone. It's under me. It's behind us now. Do we mold that over? Do we think about that? Do we think about what that means? I mean, because I know in my life, I've had cycles where I'll go through not only doubt, but if I slip and yell at the kids or I'm totally selfish, which happens more often than I'd like to admit, I'll, I'll slip into shame and I'll feel badly about it. And that's good. That's remorse. But then I'll, I'll stay away from the Lord. And here he's saying, hey, I, I have all power and authority. This is, this is mine too. That's, that's fine. I could take care of that, Kevin. So I think it was interesting that this was where he started with this last commissioning, this last call. All, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. He, he states his authority over everything in their lives, anything that could happen to them. And there's... We can go through other verses, but we're not, because I don't want to run you into too late. I always run people late, but that's okay. 
it's only every couple of years she gets to, you know, <laughs> stay late for church, right? Um, but if we go into verse 19, he says, Therefore, 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 because I have all this power and authority has been given to me, therefore, now you, this is related to that. It's not separate. It's not to be pulled apart and said, okay, go into all the world and maybe you'll have enough authority and power and peace and all the things that you need to make that possible. He's saying, no, it's directly corresponding to this authority that I have. That's why you're going to go. Um, And he says, to make disciples of all nations. We're going to talk about the nations in a minute. But what, what was this guy? Who was this Jesus? He was, he was a rabbi, as far as many of the Jews saw him. Um, and the rabbis in that culture, they would call the young kids, would be sent to him for basic teaching. And then if they were deemed worthy, they would carry on and they would continue on into their teens. And then if he saw a couple outstanding guys, he would select them to be his disciples. And they would basically become what he was. And then they'd go off on their own, and they would teach others in other communities and other villages. But Jesus here, he isn't being selective, is he? He's actually being exactly the opposite. He's saying go to all ethnic groups. Get out there. Go to the Samaritans. Go to the Philippians. Uh, f- 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 Phoenicians, go to the Greeks, go to the Romans, and make disciples of them. Now, if you can imagine, these, his group would be like, wait a second, we're, we're the dirty dozen here, we're the guys, we're, we're your men, we walked, we, we heard you, we put into place what you taught us. We came back now, even though you scared the Jesus out of us back there on that cross. Now you're, we're it, we're let's go. All those other people, they didn't want anything to do with you. But he says, no, go. This isn't just for us anymore. I had a Bible professor way back, um, and he talked about, uh, what's it? Where's the words? I've got to find the words because I'm going to do it wrong if I don't find my words. Oh, no. They're gone. There it is. Centrifugal versus centripetal. And how Israel, called by God, was to be centrifugal or centripetal. Centripetal is this way. Was to be a light to the nations. People would see them and say, ah, those are the people of God. We want to convert and become like them. And it was always God's chosen people. Jesus turns it on its head now. He says, no, now you're to get out there and make everybody God's chosen person. And I can just imagine the disciples just kind of going, wait a second, this isn't, again, and I think all throughout the scriptures you see the disciples going, wait a second, this isn't what we bargained for. But here you can see it again, and I, I think they were shocked. Now, a lot of you, and I don't say this in a bad way, but you think missionaries are special. Well, we're not. Um, we're not at all. And I think the disciples had the same feeling that we sometimes get because people look up to us for our sacrifice or willingness to travel or go overseas and live. And it is something different. Don't get me wrong. It's not for everyone. Um, but sometimes we get this feeling as missionaries that we are special. We are the, the forefront. We're on the edge. We're, 
we're the ones, you know, out there. I really don't think that anymore. I think being a Christian in Fairfield, Connecticut or Middletown, New York is really hard. To really live sacrificially proclaiming Christ as your Savior and the only Lord of the universe. That's tough. This culture coming back every couple of years, whoo. You know, people used to joke, you know, Lord, send me anywhere but Africa. And I'm kind of like, Lord, send me anywhere but America. So I say that, and I think the disciples were kind of going, we're the, we're the special ones. We're the, we're the guys. Why should we go out there and invite others? And I think we have this disease amongst us. Maybe not you or the guy next to you. But maybe some other guy. I don't know. Where we start to think, well, me and Jesus are good. And my buddies are good. But to take it to that guy, no, I know his life. I know what he's done. He curses like a sailor, and he drinks like somebody else, and, you know, he does. Well, that's exactly the guy that needs to hear. And I was thinking this morning, I'm like, hmm, maybe this message isn't a very good Christmas message. But now I'm thinking, well, maybe it's the perfect Christmas message. If people, everybody knows what Christmas is about. Everybody knows, oh, we celebrate Christ's birth and Santa Claus, and, you know, the tree. and But what a great opportunity. You can say, yeah, Merry Christmas. Jesus came down for you. This is what we're celebrating. Just talk to him about the love. They don't need to hear the judgment on their life. The Holy Spirit will convict them. But talk to them about the love that brought Christ to us. It's an amazing time. So if we read the other part of 19, <clears throat> the, the end of it. <clears throat> Sorry. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, before we go to the end of it. All nations, all ethnic groups. You, you saw in there how many ethnic groups, I forget, it said, I think there's 4,000 in Africa. And there's still about 950 that are unreached people groups. That means they have no viable witness of Christ amongst them. Almost a thousand people groups still in, in sub-Saharan Africa. That's not including the whole northern Africa, which is a mess. Um, I've been thinking about this, and as I prepared this, I was thinking about other verses where, you know, people talk about Christ's return, and I was kept on being drawn back to the verse that said, you know, I'll come back when my name is proclaimed to all peoples of the earth. And I'm thinking, well, what are we doing? Are we just playing around with this? And AIM, thankfully, has been a bit of a wake-up call and a bit of a shift for, I think, all of the thousand missionaries that we're part of, has gone back to the roots about really being proactively and intentionally focusing on how are we going to reach those groups? How are we going to train up national Africans to reach the next tribe over? Because they'll do it so much better than we do. How are we going to get into those places that are locked, either politically or religiously? Um, and they're really making steps. And in the next five years, they have some big goals, which we are becoming quickly part of um, because we're moving out of one ministry to the next. These ethnic groups, they, they all need to hear. Um, Bible translators will tell you about how many Bibles need to be translated, and I think that's incredibly valid. 
but they need to be they need to hear it um, so your support of us and others is an incredibly intricate part of that um, don't ever feel like you're disconnected from the work that's going on in those places the second part of 19 uh, is baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's, as I read and studied, there's debates on the name of the Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what that means. But there was one thing that ran constant amongst them, and that was the name was singular. The names of God were plural. There's three in the Trinity. And what I took away from the different things I was reading was baptism wasn't a, 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 a social thing. It wasn't a bar mitzvah. It wasn't a, a birthday party. It was a public declaration of whose authority they were under. Uh, it wasn't new to the Jews. Um, they often went and, and, and would do a ritual cleaning, which we would call baptism. Um, so they were familiar with it. But now they're saying baptize them in whose name? Well, in all three names. The Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Breaking your ties from whatever you were following before and saying, no, this is the authority I'm under. Point final. There's no other options here. This is it. The final verse 20 and teaching them to obey all the things I have commanded you was so much more than just Jesus' doctrines or theology. It was who he was. The word in there is um, entolomai, or something like that. I don't know how to pronounce Greek. Um, But it was the all-encompassing of who Christ was. And it was an ongoing process. It wasn't a teach them and you're done. And I could tell you from watching lots of missionaries, sometimes we get stuck and we think, well, if we teach them this, 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 and this, they'll be good. They're okay. They'll be able to carry on. But it's not like that. And I think Jesus was very specific in his wording that he used disciple when he said, teach them, make disciples and teach them, because discipling is not something that's once off. It's not a Bible study course. It's not a, uh, an enrollment in catechism. It, it's, it's an ongoing process of having someone that you follow to become like them. Now, I don't do that alone well. I need people with me. I need friends that I'm accountable to. I need a mentor that I can go to with questions and problems. And I've been blessed all my life with different people in different parts and around the world that have done that for me. If you don't have that, find them. Talk to Pastor John. Talk to whoever. Get them. Be part of a Bible study group. Get into a home group. Walking with Christ is never something you do alone. And here, when he says teaching them all, teaching them to obey, this ongoing process of obedience you're not going to get it right the first time either. I remember teaching my guys, and through the last few years, I stopped teaching the newer classes, and I worked with some older existing classes throughout town, and then particularly with my group of eight. 
Um, so they became like my disciples. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. It's kind of scary, really. And I remember teaching them things. And then I remember a couple months would go by, and then they would face a circumstance. One guy's wife committed adultery on him. One guy's child died. One of the guys was facing serious financial problems. And not because of me, but because of what we went through in the Word and studying and, and applying it to our lives, they reacted differently than probably they would have earlier than that. And so I, I think, okay, well, there's fruit. There's something I could say, okay, that's, that's, that's what I want to see. And sometimes it didn't work out well. Sometimes guys would take classes for a couple years even, and then they'd go back into ancestor worship and go do a ceremony because they felt fearful. It happens. And then what do you do? You restore them. You bring them back. I know, I know, I know Harmony has been through the ringer since we left <laughs> in nine. 2010, and we have been in touch with some of you and heard some heartbreak, and our hearts go out to you, and we are so happy to see the church coming back, regrowing, Pastor Hawko's just passion for getting this church back to be the family of God again and restored, and I pray that you're all part of that process, not waiting for someone else to restore another, but going physically out there and restoring each other to fellowship that we should have. Our prayers are with you. It's not easy. You're not the only church. We visited another church. Well, I visited the pastor. We'll go to the church in, I think, March. Um, That supports us, and they're going through difficult times as well. And it's hard to listen. But it happens everywhere, unfortunately, that there's people involved in the church. But let's restore each other. Let's continue this ongoing process of being disciples of Christ ourselves before we can ever do it with anyone else. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> it's interesting that some people say, just for those who, who maybe are new believers in Christ, it's interesting, uh, uh, not some, a lot of scholars will say they, they think that Matthew was used as the, the new Christian handbook back in the early church because it had such a, a summary of who Christ was and what he wanted from us. Just a, something to plant in your head. The end of the Great Commission, of what we call it, is surely I am with you to the end of the age. Jesus started by saying, I have all authority over everything that could possibly happen, over everything that could possibly come against you. He went straight into, therefore, go. Go next door, go to the next street, go to the next city, go to the next country, go to the next continent, and make disciples. My disciples, not yours, mine. Make disciples that will know me. Why? Because you're going to baptize them, you're going to put them under my authority, and then you're going to teach them to do everything that I told you, everything that I said, everything that I did, everything, every way I acted towards you, you're going to teach them about that. And then he closes and he said, and don't worry, I'm going to be with you through it all. Now, I'm not going to go into it very much, but in the last four years, Cammie's had 
one or two surgeries on our back. Um, we've had floods. We've had power outages for six weeks. Uh, ben had stitches. Toby broke his leg. I mean, just uh, there's been malaria. There's been other sicknesses. And yet he was with us, and we knew it. And we always had what we needed to get through, whether that was through the community of believers we have there, whether it was through the encouragement of our African brothers and sisters that visited us, which was so special to see, because that, that bridge is hard to get over sometimes. Whether it was financial support when we needed it, and you guys are part of that most recently. Um, we did our first road trip, and the first 100 miles, our car's transmission went out. And uh, God bless Jim for picking us up and taking care of us for the day. And other friends brought us another car to borrow, and we went on our way to Ohio to visit Cammie's family. And you guys helped pay for that transmission. We thank you for that. Huge blessing. And let me tell you that right up until the end, we, we kind of wondered how we were going to pay for it. And, and we just said, God, you told us to fix it. Now we have this bill. <laughs> And I think it was last, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago maybe, um, someone handed me a check and they said, we want you to have this. And it was the exact amount to finish off that debt for that car. Took a little longer. We would have much rather God just said, okay, here's the check, pay for it. God doesn't work like that with us. He wants your faith to be constant and growing and continual. Um, But you are part of that process and it's been really It's amazing to see God. It's still amazing. And God has provided for us like that over the years in various times and ways that shocks us still. But I think this end, this ending of, of Jesus' is where he says, I'll be with you to the end of the age, we can take as a, a great relief, a great settling of peace for us. Um, no matter where he does send you to go, he is with us. And I think... Sometimes we glance over these last, this great commission because we've heard it so many times. I I encourage you to go home. Sit in front of your tree, sit in front of your decorations, think about Christ coming, and then read it again. Uh, I think of Christmas as a time of family, with friends. Uh, When we're in Africa, we usually go away so we can have time alone as our family. Uh, And we go spend some time at the beach. (laughs) And then we visit another family. And we encourage each other after rough times. But we don't get to see our family and friends that time. We see one other family and we're alone. And the first couple years it's hard, but then after a while you learn, well, Christmas is a lot more than just eating ham or turkey or whatever you eat for Christmas and then watching football and sitting with family, which is, we can't wait. I'm excited to do that this year. I ate a good amount of turkey, was it last week? Yeah. Um, And we were with my folks and a lot of friends up in New Hampshire. Uh, This year we're going to have Christmas with my family, and then we're going to drive directly out to Ohio to be with her family. And uh, it's that much more special because it happens so infrequently. But Christmas is so much more. Take the opportunity. People are talking about Christmas. Talk about our Christ. Say, you know, Jesus, we celebrate his birth. Do you, do you know what that means? What does it mean to you? Um, and see what they say. 
It's the perfect opportunity to go and to proclaim and to make disciples and teach them all you know about Jesus. If you don't know much about Jesus, well, let's, let's try to learn more. There's a good Bible study in the morning at 9 here. Um, we're in this together. And I pray for you this season and the next few years. We hope to come back again in the spring before we head back to Mozambique in May, June. Um, we hope to come back and visit one more time um, and share with you whatever we get for before then. Um, but go in Jesus' peace and his power because that's what the commission was about. It wasn't about a haughty, uh, guilt-laden command just for the missionaries and the professional Christians among you. It was for all of us that we have his authority. And he's conquered everything we can imagine. And it's all under him. It's the fact that we have a position and a role to fill and a, and a job to do. And it's the fact that he's with us up until the very end. So please go with that. Thank you.